Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, each and every one that counted it not robbery to join in with us this evening. We bless God, we thank God, and we praise God for each and every one of you for joining us for this, the 1,877th episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. We just bless God for what he has been doing and what he continues to do here with us at Purpose Kingdom Network. I am your host for the next hour. I am Pastor Talene Daly, and I would like to welcome you to Bible Study for Life. That's right. It is once again that time of the month where we join in for Bible Study for Life. So you know what I'm getting ready to ask you to do. Text your family. Text your friends. Let them know that we are broadcasting live now at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom, or you can let them know they can listen in or call in with any questions or comments at 319-527-6091, and they would simply press the number one that will let our engineer know that you would like to speak with us live on the air. Now, it's time for you to get your pen, your paper, uh, your Bibles for it is time for us to study, to show ourselves up to God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Now, today we are coming from the book of Samuel, First Samuel, the first chapter. And um, through a conversation that I was having with the brother in Christ, they said something that just sparked an interest in me. And anybody that knows me knows it only takes a spark for me to start digging. And basically what they did was they had made a statement about a story concerning the prophet Samuel and and them telling the story, uh, to summarize it, they basically said somebody had walked up on Samuel, and uh, I'm going to use the children's language, like they wanted some smoke, and Samuel was like, yo, if you know who with me, if I was you, I would go ahead about my business. And when he said it, thunder and lightning came from the sky, and the guy went to approach Samuel some more, and some more thunder and lightning came, so the guy went away and the thunder and lightning stopped. Now, that just sparked me because although I know that story, it made me say, Lord, I just need to see a little bit more about Samuel. Amen? And when you want to know what's going on with uh, someone, it's the best place to start at the beginning. So that is why we find ourselves to, uh, this evening in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, I'm going to read the whole uh, chapter. It is 28 verses, and we're going to get through it as best we can. And don't worry, we don't finish today with chapter 1. We'll finish next month as we continue to look through and study exactly who Samuel uh, was and not just who he was, but the lessons that we learned uh, from God through his life and his story. Amen? So beginning at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now there was a certain man of Ramesham Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Alkanai. He was the son of Jeroham, the son of Elu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephronite. And he had two wives. The name of the first one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penai. And Penai had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli Hathani and uh, Phenesis, the priests of the Lord, were there. 
And when the time was that Alkanai offered, she gave Sapenai, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. The uh, the eighth verse says, Then said Alphani, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. <clears throat> now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she, meaning Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaiden and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Uh, said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm sorry, I lost my face. Okay, here I go. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaiden, Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Alkanai knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Alkanai and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord a yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah went not up. For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Alphani, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until I have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock. Um, They slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. 
Therefore, also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Excuse me. That is um, 1 Samuel, the first chapter in its entirety, and we know that the word of the Lord is already blessed. We are going to stop to have a word of prayer, and then we are going to dive into the lesson. Amen. Father God, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise your holy name. We magnify you, Father. We glorify you, Father. Hallelujah, God. We magnify you with the highest praise of hallelujah, God, for all that you have done for us, for all that you're doing for us, for all that we are believing you to do for us, Father God. We say thank you, Father. Then, Father, as we come collectively and corporately before you this evening, We come first and foremost as bad children appearing before a good father. We come, Father God, asking for forgiveness of any sins that we may have committed, Father God, whether it was through thought, deed, or action, knowingly or unknowingly, God, whether it was sins of commission or sins of omission, Father God, We ask that you will forgive us these wrongdoings and cast them into yonder sea of forgetfulness that they not rise up against us in that day of judgment, Father God. Then, God, we come before you asking as we go into your word this evening that you will toil the soil of our minds, Father God that your word will fall on good ground, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that we will walk away from this presence, Father, filled with your Holy Ghost, Spirit, and power, Father, that we will be walking epistles of your word, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father God, hallelujah, God, that we will carry the fire of the Holy Spirit from this place, Father God, going forth out unto the nations to light sparks of the Holy Ghost power, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God. Then, God, as I humbly submit to your will and your way and hide behind the shelter of your holy desk and cross, Father, I ask that as I decrease, you increase in me, Father that you will bring forth a word unto these. Your will not just be illuminating, but also life-altering in the mighty name of Jesus, God. We pray, Father God, that you will not release just a spirit of healing, not just a spirit of peace and comfort in the name of Jesus, but a spirit of deliverance, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will hold the enemy of bay long enough that some lost soul can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and some backslidden soul can come back into right relationship. Hallelujah, God, in the name of Jesus. Then, Lord, as I always ask, I ask, Father, that you will allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable on your sight and unto you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah, God. Now, we are in, again, the first book of Samuel. And it's funny because when you look at the book of 1 Samuel, it introduces us not just to the history of the prophet Samuel, but it also introduces us to the end of some eras. Amen. We when we look at the book of 1 Samuel, we are actually looking at the end of the era of the rule of judges and the beginning of a new era, the rule of kings. However, that is what you see when you first glance at it. That is what you see when you just look at it, reading over the the details of the history of not just the children of God, but of the man, the prophet Samuel, and the children of Israel during his lifetime. But when I look at the book of 1 Samuel, I can't help but to think of a building. You know, have you ever been somewhere where 
when you look at the building from the outside, you might, you know, you might have said, oh, this place is really small, or you might have said, oh, this place is a nice size. It looks nice. But then you get inside the building and you find out that the building is way bigger than the outside leads you to believe that it is. Amen. That, that, that's what uh, the book of Samuel is like. It's like that building that when you look at it from the outside, you come up with one thought plan or one thought process about it. But when you go inside, you find out that it is a whole lot bigger, a whole lot deeper than what it first appeared to be uh, from the outside or at first glance. So we are going to dive right in. Beginning again with First Samuel 1 and 1, it says, Now there was a certain man of Ramphazumpin of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Alkanai, and he was the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, I'm sorry, Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephraimite, and he had two wives. The name of one was Anna, and the name of the other, Peni. And Peni had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, when you read those first two verses of First Samuel chapter 1, it looks like that this story is about three people, Elkanai, Peni, and Hannah. And at first glance, it really is. It's about Elkanai, Peni, and Hannah. However, when you remember that the Bible tells us that, that the word of God is built precept upon precept and verse upon verse, when the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3, and it teaches us in Ephesians 5 and 23, that a man, especially a husband man, is the priest of his house. He is the head of his house. He is per se, the pastor of his home. So when you look at Alkanai, yes, you see the head of his house, you see the husband, and yes, he was of the Levitical order of priests. And although he's referred to here as uh, as an Ephraimite, he is not really from the tribe of Ephraim. We have to be mindful and remember that the children of the the tribe of Levites were set aside unto God to serve and take care of the house of God. So they were never counted in any senses. They were not counted as one of the children of Israel because they were set apart unto God to serve God. So because uh, Alkanai lived in Ephraim or near Ephraim, close to Ephraim, which was closer to the temple in Silo, he he uh, was considered an Ephraimite, but he was actually a Levite. So, but because of what God teaches us, he was the priest of his home. He he is the pastor of his home. Now, so so I want you to remember that for a second, and then remember he has two wives, Pina. Peni and Hannah. Now, the Bible also teaches us that when we see women in the Bible, yes, they represent who they were um, in the lives that they lived, but they also have another representation. Women in the Bible are representations of the church. If you don't believe me, uh, read Genesis 3.15, Jeremiah 6.2, 2 Corinthians 11.2. And if you want to talk about representations of a fallen church or people who are in the church in backslidden states or people who, you know, they go to church, they fill in the church pews, but the church aren't in them, you can read uh, James 4 and 4, Ezekiel 16, 2 and 15, Revelation 17, 1 and 2. So when we look at Peni and Hannah, we are actually looking at the church. And what's so funny about it is that when we look at Peni and Hannah, part of Peni was fruitful. She was able to produce children, and Hannah was barren. So when I hear uh, the words or see the words or read the words, there was a certain man named Alkanai, and he had two wives, 
Peni, who was through Hannah, who was barren, what I actually hear in my spirit is that there is a certain pastor of a church who has two types of members in it, one of whom is fruitful and one of which is barren. So that is what brings us to the topic this evening, the church, the fruitful, and the barren. Because in all truthfulness, in all probability, when you look at Alkani, Peni, and Hannah, you see a pastor in two different types of people in the church. Amen? So we are going to continue on and look at where we are. the, The first verse says that there was a certain man named Alkani, and we're not going to go back through his genealogy anymore. I, I just went through all of that. But what I do want you to look at is the way that it is worded here. It says, now, there was a certain man, and his name was Alkani. And, and it's amazing to me because at this strategic time and place, remember, this in First Samuel is the switching from the way that God's people were ruled from judges to kings. And remember, this switch was basically a switch that the people came, or you'll see a little later, that they come and ask God for their self. But this strategic time and place, God begins his plan as he almost always does with a person he will use. Hallelujah, God. Now, understand, we know that God can do all things. God can do everything by himself. We're talking about the creator of all that was, all that is, and all that will be. So we are talking about the one who spoke into nothing and something came into existence. Hallelujah, God. We're talking about the Alpha and the Omega, we know he doesn't need our help. Hallelujah, God. Uh, uh, and, and when you think of it, the Genesis says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis 1 and 1. So it said God created the heavens first, which means all of the angelic beings of the heavens. So God can order his angels to do whatever it is that he wants to have done be done. He could carry it out another million different types of ways. However, whenever you look throughout history, whenever you look throughout the word of God, whenever you look throughout any holy writing, I don't care if you're looking through the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, you always find that God uses as a normal method to get things started a certain person, and then he worked through them. Hallelujah, God. That's it right there. That's that's the reason to shout right there, because somebody is sitting somewhere feeling like it's nothing special about them. They feel like, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm of God. Yes, I know God is blessing me. Yes, I know God takes care of me, but I just don't feel like it's nothing for God that God wants me to do. Honey, yes, it is. He said he uses a certain person, and this is what I love about God. He is not particular about who he chooses to use. Hallelujah, God. And for the people who said that he would not or could not use you, you need to rejoice because the word of God tells us that God uses the things that are not the that are not of the wise to be found or to confuse the wise. He used those little things that the wise think are unimportant, that people of importance think are insignificant, and that's what he uses to bring about change. Hallelujah. Somebody should just be shouting because God uses a certain person. Hallelujah, God. And and it says that uh, this certain person went by the name of Alkani, and we already spoke about 
the role that Alkanai plays when we study him today as the head of the house, as the priest of the house, or as the head of a church, a branch of Zion. He would play the role of a pastor, hallelujah, God, and understand it, that when you look at Alkanai, you will see some things that he should have maybe done slightly differently, hallelujah, to bring peace amongst the church or amongst his household. But we're going to get back to that in a second. It says Alkanai had two wives. Now, see, this is the real uh, uh, meat of the story. Now, yes, uh, this could be and would be a great place to discuss polygamy and why um, that is not an okay thing. But, however, what we're going to look at is the fact that in the ancient world, it was an okay thing. Yes, it had requirements and things that had to be filled, but it was an okay thing then. So we're not going to go into that because I don't want us to get sidetracked down a side road. But what we will discuss is the relationship between these two women and compare them to the church today. Now, why are we going to look at the relationship of these two women? Because these two women, as we just discussed, are representations the church. Amen? Now, uh, there was an intense competitive relationship between these two wives. Tenai had children. Hannah didn't have children. But to better understand what was going on here and why this was such an intense competitive relationship, we're going to have to go over to the Torah and the Midrash as we are studying in our Bible today, amen, because there are some things that are told in the Torah that it's the same story, but it's some little details that we don't quite catch, amen. Now, uh, uh, the Torah, the rabbis state that Hannah was Alphonse's first wife, and after they had been married for 10 years and he saw that Hannah bore him no children, he also took uh, Penai as a wife. Now, that can be found in the Pista Rabbitica 43. The Mishnah ordains that when a couple has been married, and if you want to know what that is, that is part of the rules that apply to the Jewish faith or the Israel faith of that time. The Mishnah ordains that when a couple had been married for 10 years without bringing any children into the world, the husband is required I'm going to say that again. The husband is required to take a second or additional wife in order to fulfill the commandment to be fruitful and to multiply. And that's Zimmah 6 and 6. The mistress explains that Alkanai was compelled to take our uh, Penai on as a wife because of the barrenness of his first wife and his true love, Hannah. And that explains why there was such a preference that uh, Alkanai had for Hannah because Hannah, he married out of love, and Penai, he married out of duty. Amen? Now, because Hannah is the first wife, respect, honor, tradition would say that we should look at her first. However, for the sake of the study tonight, we are going to look at Penai first. Now, the first thing that I need you to understand is the meaning of her name. The name Penai actually means pearl or precious stone. Amen? It means pearl or precious stone. And and the problem that we find with Penai is that although her name means something of value, something that uh, uh, is precious, something that a person's uh, 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 wealth is based on, she chose to become a second wife. Remember, the first wife is the one with the respect. The first wife is the one with the value. 
But this precious stone, this pearl, this person of value decided to be the second wife. She decided to be not a wife of love, but one of convenience. She was the second. She was not a wife of desire, but one of deed and dutifulness. She was the second wife. She was not a wife of companionship, but one of servitude because she was fruitful. See, the problem here is that Penai forgot who she was. Hallelujah, God. She forgot what she was when she, as a precious stone and pearl, decided to be okay with holding the position of a second wife. Now, somebody is sitting there going, yeah, but you said she had something to do with the church and that she was a representation of parts of the church. Well, the truth of the matter is that some of us in the church today, we have our gifts, we have our talents, we have the anointings in those gifts that we sometimes flow over, flow under and in, but we are wrestling with or we have a spirit of Peni. We have a second wife mentality. Hallelujah, God. Somebody saying, well, what does that mean? What do you mean we have a second wife mentality? There are two ways you can be like Peni. You can either forget who you are and then accept something less than what you deserve, or you can act like she acted. First, let's talk about forgetting who we are. See, for us that are in the church, hallelujah, God, for us that are in the church who have that spirit of Peni, we know that we are saved. We know that the blood of Jesus has saved us. We know that we have been washed free, but we don't walk in the freedom that we know that we have. Mm, somebody out, somebody. We, 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 we hold on to those things that God has delivered us from, hallelujah, God, or we keep talking about ourselves or we allow others to keep defining us based off of who we were instead of based off of who we are in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, God. Uh, 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 we, we, we forget that, you know, the word of God tells us in Psalms 139 and 14 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We we forget that uh, Jeremiah 1 and 1 tells us that God knew us before he formed us in the womb. And what's even more fanatical about Jeremiah 1 and 1 is it says he knew us before he formed us. Somebody going to get it. God formed you in the womb and you forgot who you are to God. See, when we think about the creation story, we just see God bending down and forming Adam out of the dust of the earth, and we think that from that forth, from that point forward, man and woman came together and we produced. But what Jeremiah 1 and 1 lets us know is, no, sweetheart, God is still in the forming business, hallelujah, God, that he formed us in our mother's womb. He perfectly knit us together. Hallelujah, God. He put, he put us together for a purpose. We forgot that John 8 and 36 tells us that who the Son sets free is free indeed. We forgot that we are free from the sins of our past. We forgot that we are free from that which we used to do. We forgot who we were. We forgot who we are. And because we forgot, we have begun to accept some things that we know we should not accept as children of God. Hallelujah, God. I don't know who I'm talking about this evening because this part wasn't even in the notes. But see, some of us are in second white mentalities on jobs. The Lord created you to be a leader, but you comfortable being a follower. Some of us are being second wife mentalities in relationships. Some of y'all, mm, thank you, God. Some of y'all being second wife and second husbands in relationships, and thank God ain't going to say nothing about it, but he ain't calling no names, but he's going to say something about it because the, mm, hallelujah, God. 
some of us, we, we walk in with God, but we live in, in a second wife mentality. Hallelujah, God. And here's the deep thing about it. You're choosing to be there. Hallelujah, God. You're choosing to be there. One of the problems with Peni, one of her hatreds towards Hannah was the fact she knew Hannah was the loved wife. Hallelujah, God. But you're choosing to be there. She went in knowing what she was going in to do. Hallelujah, God. Some of us are in situations crying and complaining today, but we went in knowing what it was we was walking into. Hallelujah. We might not have understood all of the pros and cons that went with it, but we willingly walked into those situations. And somebody's saying, well, what does that have to do with the church? Go, go, go back and show us what that has to do with the church because some of us are living double lives in the church today. Hallelujah, God. And I'm saying us so that don't nobody get offended. So I'm going to act like I'm walking down my boulevard. But some of us, mm, thank you, God, hallelujah, here go what you asked for. Some of us are transformers in the faith, hallelujah, God. We might get back to uh, uh, Samuel in a second, but God is taking me here. Some of us are transformers in the faith, hallelujah, God. And there are two types of transformers. There are Decepticons, and then there are Transformers. And here's the problem. At first glance, Transformers look like Transformers. They are some beings that have the ability to transform from one thing into something else. And the only way you really know what a Transformer is is by the logo or the tag that is on them. The Decepticons has one logo, and the Transformers has another one that says Autobots. Hallelujah, God. And when you look at it in the light of the saints, some of us are saved for real. We are Autobots. We transform just like the Decepticons do, but when we transform, we transform to protect, and we have the seal of the Holy Spirit on us. And some of us are like the Decepticons, hallelujah, God. When they transform, they transform to steal, kill, destroy, hallelujah. And when they transform, they have the seal of 666 on them, hallelujah, God. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is the reason that some of us are like peni is because, yes, we are fruitful. Yes, we have bought forth some things in the church, but then we turn around and look down our nose at those who are barren. Honey, if you are fruitful but looking down your nose, you are really a Decepticon. You may be hanging out at the church, but you're really not a friend of the church. Hallelujah, God. You sitting there looking down on the barren going, why haven't they given any fruit yet? I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning every morning for prayer, but I don't see them doing anything. I be in church every time the church door is open, but I don't see them doing anything. Where is their fruit? I need somebody to know that they are Hannah this evening to turn around and tell somebody, don't let the fact that it has not yet been birthed make you think that I'm bearing. Hallelujah, God. See, that is the problem. Peni was a Decepticon. She wanted to put down. She wanted to destroy Hannah. She wanted to kill Hannah. She want, And you know what the biggest fear was? Was because she knew that if Hannah ever gave birth, hallelujah, because remember the word of God said that Peni knew that Hannah was the favorite wife. So Peni knew that if Hannah was to ever give birth, where would she and her children be? But instead of Peni coming together and embracing Hannah, befriending Hannah, being family with Hannah, being sisterized with Hannah, she speaks to destroy Hannah. That's called the Decepticon. Now, I know somebody upset, and they're trying to figure out how we got to Decepticons when we was talking about fruitfulness in the church and barrenness in the church. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is everything that looks fruitful is not of God. Even the word of God tells you to try the spirit by the spirit. Hallelujah. The word of God says by their fruits, you still know them. Thank you, God. And while I'm sitting here this evening, God is telling me to let folk know 
We need to stop letting Decepticons stand in front of our sanctuaries because they got talent. There's a difference between talent and anointing. Hallelujah, God. R. Kelly got talent. I don't see nobody letting R. Kelly come stand in their sanctuary to sing because he got talent, not anointing. Hallelujah. There is a difference between talent and anointing. Hallelujah, God. Talent is something that comes without uh, prayer or repentance, but anointing comes with prayer and repentance. Hallelujah, God. Now, now we talked about Peni. We talked about Peni, and, and we talked about Hannah a little bit. And and this is the deal with Hannah. Now, Hannah was, was um, the first wife, and, and Hannah's name means grace and favor. Her name means grace and favor. Um, and, and this is the funny part. Although her name means grace and favor, and although she was loved, she felt bullied and barren. Mm, thank you, God. That's some of us in the church today. Hallelujah, God. Because of the things that we've gone through in our life, we feel, we feel the love of God. We know we have the grace of God. We know that we have the favor of God, but some things have taken place in our lives where we feel bullied and barren. We feel like although we are sitting here doing everything that God has asked us to do, we are not seeing the progression. We are not seeing the fruitfulness. We are not coming seeing it come into fruition. And God is sitting here saying, you got to stick through the process. Hallelujah, God. You know, they got this new thing out now. This this is a side note, but it goes with sticking through the process. They have this new thing out now where they they basically say they got these pregnancy tests where a woman can get up from being intimate with her husband and take a test and tell if she's pregnant or not. And and that's what they say the test can do. I, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's not true. I don't know the probability of false pregnancies and not false pregnancy tests. Don't know all of that, but that's what they say the test can do. And what I'm finding out in today's time is that these young women, when we used to find out that we were expecting child, we would be about three, four months, if not a little bit further by the time we found out, by the time the process had taken place to allow our bodies to register to our minds that, hey, something's going on. But today with this microwave generation, they want to know before the process can even take place. Honey, ain't nothing wrong with going through the process. Hallelujah, God. Sometimes you have to take time in the process. If you want to see somebody cook some food and they not cook it till it's all the way done, they could have paid thousands of dollars for that food, but if the food is not cooked all the way done, the food is going to get thrown away because the people didn't let it go through the proper process for it to get done. There is a birthing coming out of you, but it has to go through the process. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. And I'm looking at the time. It's saying 943, and we are only at verse 3, y'all. Verse 3, when Alkanai and his family journeys to the tabernacle to worship. So although we just broke down two sections of the church, when we come back, if time allows, we're going to talk about what the preacher, the pastor, leadership is doing while all this confusion is going on in the house. Amen. But before we go there, we are going to stop right here. We are going to have the call of salvation. Then Brother Rob is going to come on to do the announcement, and we will come back in with the word of God. Someone out there this evening may find themselves in a P-Ni situation. Someone might out there this evening may find themselves in a Hannah situation. Whatever situation you find yourself in, although we did not get to the part thereof yet, what I'm going to jump in here and share with you is that Hannah took her problems to the Lord. 
This is an opportunity for you to come today to the Lord. Hallelujah, God. This is an opportunity for you to come today and receive the gift of God that he has granted unto each and every one of you. And that is through his son, Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah, God. The word of God says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him to us, y'all, so that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, somebody out there saying, well, God didn't have to do that because God don't need help. I don't believe in Jesus because God don't need a sidekick. He don't need help. Understand you are 100% right. But the same people who say they don't believe in Jesus because God doesn't need help are the same people who say they believe in angels. And what are angels but helpers of God? People, they're beings that minister to God, but they do so much more throughout this universe in the helping of God. But again, I say to you, you are right. Jesus did not come to this earth because God needed help. Jesus came to this earth because man needed help. Mm, Hallelujah, God. God could reach out to any of us at any time, but we could not reach back to him. So he decided that he would fill the gap. How did he fill the gap? Look in the book of John chapter 1. Verse 14, well, first start John 1 and 1, it says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then if you jump down to verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. That means that God placed his Word, his power. Why do I call his Word his power? Because when God says it, it takes place. Hallelujah, God. He placed it in the womb of a virgin and allowed the process of time for flesh to come around it. He walked this earth feeling every pain that we could ever imagine and go through. And then he laid down his life on an old rugged cross, not because God needed help, but because man needed help. Hallelujah, God. And because of man's need for help, God has put in place an ordination that all we have to do is believe in and on him. If we believe in and on Jesus Christ, we can be saved. We will be saved. And it's not hard to do. You can pray on your own or you can simply repeat these words after me. You just say, Father God. I come to you this evening asking you for forgiveness of my sins. I come agreeing with your word that I am a sinner needing to be saved. I ask for the forgiveness of your son, Jesus Christ. I ask his blood upon my life. I ask his blood upon my heart. I ask his blood upon my spirit, my soul, my flesh, in the name of Jesus, that he begins to create me anew even now. In Jesus' name, amen. And because the word of God says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, we tell you that you have to tell someone. Just let somebody know. You don't have to wait until Sunday morning or Sabbath worship or prayer service or Bible study. You can tell somebody right now, somebody sitting near you, call someone on the phone. Or if you live in a rural, uh, I mean, in an urban area, go outside and scream at the top of your lungs, say, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. However you choose to do it, once you say it, and we thank and bless God for you. The angels are rejoicing in glory for the soul that has come home unto God. Now, of course, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching uh, sanctuary where you can grow in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and heal from the trials and the tribulations of this world. But until then, bless God. That is why he has Purpose Kingdom Network here for you. Brother Robert is going to come on and give you some information on how you can follow us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. Brother Rob. 
Yes, uh, excellent show tonight. Uh, I really uh, appreciate tonight's word and the message that's brought forth. And I hope uh, you as well that were listening uh, do appreciate and want to hear more of the word. Uh, just check her out next month on the uh, fourth Sunday for Bible Study for Life. <clears throat> so real quickly, I'll go ahead and do the announcements. This is the Project Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode, no matter where in the world you are. Whether you're joining us via phone or the Internet, we greatly appreciate your listenership and support for us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And we also thank those that share with your friends and family members. <clears throat> Anytime we do a live broadcast, we broadcast it live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And when we do a live show, we do have a call-in number, which is 319-527-6091. And anytime you want to talk to one of our hosts, you just press the number one, and we'll get you in as quickly as we can. Also, if you want to hear any of our past shows, you can also go back to that same website. All you simply have to do is type in the host name or the show name. You can hear that show in its entirety and at your convenience. Okay, and we also invite you to like us on our Facebook page, which is Purpose Kingdom at Facebook. We'll see up our upcoming shows and advertisements, and from time to time, we do make major announcements on that social media pages as well as others. We're also on Instagram and Twitter under Purpose underscore Kingdom. Please check out our radio network, pkn.com. Uh, there you can listen to 24 hours of music of inspiration. All right, and um, well, guys, well, guys, bless you. We'll be joining us uh, tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour, which is going to be the fifth Monday, and we're going to have a rebroadcast at Purpose Kingdom Network. So with God's will and God bless him, we hope you join us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour for a rebroadcast of Purpose Kingdom Network. Okay, and um, we're going to hand the show back over to Pastor Toy, and before I hand the show back over to you, you do have a caller. Oh, bless God, you can bring our caller on. Praise the Lord, caller, are you there? Praise the Lord, Pastor. Praise the Lord, greatly, my sister. I greatly appreciate this show. It's a wonderful, wonderful word. And um, I just can't get enough of what you give. Let's keep keeping on. God bless you and keep you, sister. Oh, bless God. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is our mother Janice, y'all. I love you, sis. Thank you so, so much. Um, and we just bless and praise God. Again, if you would like to call in, if you have a question, or if you would like to um, comment, the number to call in is 319-527-6091, and simply hit the number one. We have about eight minutes, so um, I, I want to go over verses three through seven, or at least start to touch on it, because it says that this man out talking about Alphani went up from his city daily to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophani and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Alphani to make an offering, he would give portions to Peni, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is that Whatever was going on with uh, uh, Peni and Hannah was something that was going on for many years. Um, Peni had at least 12 to 13 children. She had 10 sons. Uh, thus, when we read the chapter of 1 Samuel, when he asked Hannah, aren't I better to you than 10 sons? In other words, I give you more than I even give my children. But but what this uh, problem had been going on for a while, and it had been going on for a year. But it says for more than a year, I'm sorry, but it says that this man went up from his city. And what you have to realize is that according to the laws of Moses, uh, the Israelites could not worship God through sacrifice at just any given time and in any place or any way that they pleased. There were some requirements that had to be met. And 
at the, this particular time, they were to bring the sacrifice to the tabernacles in the priests, which was at that time located in Shiloh. And the reason that the sons of Eli are even mentioned here by name is because we will find out in the next chapter that these were two wicked priests. But I want you to notice that even though they were wicked priests, and we will find out in the next chapter how they were wicked and that the people knew that they were wicked, it did not stop Alkanai from going to worship God. Hallelujah, God. Why am I saying that now? Because so many times we hear that as an excuse. Oh, uh, you, you know, I found out that the bishop was doing something with somebody so-and-so and I'm not going to church no more. Or this person said something about me and I'm not going to church no more. Or I found out that the pastor was doing something on the side with somebody else or they were stealing from this or they did this or they did that or they did whatever. Whatever it was you found out that they did, it made, it didn't make you say, oh, I'm going to find another church home. It made you say, oh, I'm just never going back to church. But even in their wickedness, you have to remember that God is greater than the church. God is greater than the preacher. God is greater than the people in that building. Why is that important? We got to stop using reasons and excuses in people in their shortcomings as our excuse to run away from God. No, the truth of the matter is you're running from God because you want to run from God. That be the real truth of the matter. You're running from God because something in you that God was beginning to clean out of you, you really want to hold on to. And that's why you're running from God. But back to what, what was going on here. So Alkanai took his family up to make their sacrifices. And after he would make their sacrifices, he would give portions to his family. Uh, he would give his wife, Peni, uh, her portion and the portion to each of her children. But he would show favor and love to Hannah by giving her a double portion. And even with getting this double portion of love, this double portion of blessing, Peni, because of the way she ridiculed her, enrolled her, was still able to keep her in bondage, hallelujah God, because of the way she was treating her in the church, I mean in the family. Hallelujah, God. And and I'm saying that because, or God has me saying that this evening, because there are some people inside the sanctuary of God that has such a penai, a spirit on them that they are committing spiritual abortions before God has a chance to bring spiritual birth. Hallelujah, God. But as we continue to study throughout, you are going to find out that there is a penalty that Peni played, had to pay. So when we come back, we are going to pick up with First Samuel. We are going to be jumping down. Uh, when we come back, we should be starting at roughly the seventh verse because that is where we are at this evening. We have gone from verses 1 through 7, and we are going to be in the book of Samuel uh, with Bible study for life until God lets us go from it. Amen. We bless and praise God for the word. Remember, our topic is the church fruitfulness and barrenness. We will be doing part two when we come before you next month. We bless God, thank God for each and every one of you. We ask now, Father God, that you will bless and touch each listener that was out there this evening, that the word fell on good ground, Father, that it supplied and met the needs of your people, that it will do your will and your desire for you sending your word. Your word will not come back unto you, boy, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray that we will begin to see more life being spoken in the church to brothers and sisters from one another, Father God, in the name of Jesus. 
and I'm not just talking about in the building, but in the body of Christ itself, Father God. For, Father, we are the only people who leave our wounded behind. We are the only people that step over our injured. So, Father, we're asking that you change that in our spirits today, Father God, that we begin to be walking examples of the Good Samaritan, no matter where we may find them in need. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank and bless God by faith for those who gave their life to Christ this evening. We thank and bless God by faith for those who came back into right relationships, for healing that takes place, for deliverance that took place, and for the seed that fell on the ground. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Know that I love you all with the love of Christ, and I will see you next month. God bless. Jesus bless. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. I will not lose. Never wanna see me down, I will not lose.